Hey, this is Evan Black, pastor of Faith for Life Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for joining us today. If you don't yet know Jesus, I'm so glad that you're listening, and I pray that this message empowers you to give your life to Christ. If you're just starting out on your journey with Jesus, I hope this empowers you to connect with Him. If you're strong in your connection to Christ, I believe this message will empower you to follow Him. So enjoy today's message. Amen. You could go ahead and be seated. That was like an amazing introduction. Now I have to live up to that. Um, <laughs> I, I am so thankful to be here. First and foremost, I want to honor your pastors. Man, I love Pastor Evan and Pastor Priscilla. These, the one thing that I'll say about them is also that they are real. Like they're not going to uh, do some type of religious uh, concept. They are living out what they believe. And I love that they are real. For me personally, it's really difficult sometimes to find good friends in ministry. And uh, Pastor Evan has always been a great friend with me, although we have a really weird friendship. We talk about it all the time and how really we have absolutely nothing in common. We don't, we don't like the same things. We don't have the same hobbies. You know, Pastor Evan always, when, when we have conversations, we'll start talking about what we get excited about. Like he gets excited talking about sports. I have no idea anything about sports. You're not getting any sports illustrations today. Uh, from this, but like when, when I get excited, I'm talking about history or I'm talking about music, and I love that stuff. In fact, we're going to talk a little bit about music today. Is that okay? And in saying that, it, let me let me begin with this. If you had one song that you would say it is the soundtrack of my life, this song really tells me about my life. I want you to think about what would that be. What would that song be, that soundtrack of your life? Hopefully it's not like staying alive or I had the time of my life, right? What if I told you that Satan has a soundtrack that he has played from the very first day that you were born and often we sing it without even understanding that we've done so? Well, what if I told you that you've heard it so often and you've heard it so much that sometimes we sing it without even thinking about it? Hey, Pastor, that's a little weird. I'm not singing any Satan music. Okay, give me a little bit of space on this. So would you turn me to Proverbs 29? Proverbs 29. Have you ever heard a song so much that you began to sing it without even thinking about it? You don't even need to like the song, right? You know, I remember uh, a, a little while ago, right when, when a movie just came out, I was shopping for our men's breakfast and I was at the store, you know, getting bacon and getting like manly food. And I'm down the aisle going, let it go, let it go. Can't hold it back anymore. And I didn't realize it till I was at the end of the aisleway. And I was like, what am I saying? But I've heard it so much. I heard it so often that just because nothing else was going on at that moment, that's what was coming out of my mouth. Songs that really get you to repeat it constantly have this thing that we call the hook, right? We could say, yes, I'm going to ask the music people here. <laughs> 
the hook. A, a hook is something that a musician is going to build into a song for you to get addicted to the song, for you to absolutely love. The, you don't even need to know all the lyrics to the song. You just need to know the hook, right? Right? Dun, 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 dun. You know the song. You don't know all the lyrics, but you know the hook. What if I told you there was also a hook to this song that Satan plays? Are you in Proverbs 29? Then can you help me out real quick on this? Proverbs 29, we're going to start in verse 25. And it says it this way. The fear of man brings a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be Safe. Now, when I automatically read this scripture the first time, I thought of a modern snare. Uh, any hunters in here? It's okay. You can say, yeah, I have no idea about So when we talk about a snare, usually what I automatically thought was, you know, those little rope things that rabbits like put their foot in and I think that's a snare. Um, you know, yeah, okay. So that, that's what I automatically felt. But that's not what this scripture means. In fact, the word snare in Hebrew is the word mokesh. Mokesh means a hook in the nose. Now, now why a hook in the nose? I'm going to find this real quick. This is my box O illustrations here today. I'm not going to put it on my nose because that would be too weird for you guys. Um, but I will put it on my ear. Why did you put a hook in the nose of an animal? Well, usually what would happen is that you would have a giant, really powerful animal that you knew you could not tame. Uh, you'd have an ox or you'd have a bull or you'd have some type of an animal that would have so much power latent in it that you knew you couldn't tame it. So what they would do was they would put a hook in the nose. And so all they needed to do was to hold a chain. Can you get on this side of me? Because all they'd need to do, here, you can hold that for me, is grab onto that chain and the incredibly powerful animal, when they desired to go forward, you get to keep me from moving. <laughs> when they desired to go forward, all you had to do was to hold on to that chain. Keep me from Stay still. <laughs> and so if I wanted to move forward, I, I can't. I, I have the power and the ability to, to do this, but because there's a hook in the nose. Okay, I'm going to stop this. This is hurting. Uh, <laughs> see, the enemy understands that you have an incredible amount of power. But his purpose is, if I can get you to listen to the song of fear, I call it the terror track. If I can get you to listen and to play the song of fear in any area of your life, then even though you're incredibly powerful, even though you can do amazing things, even though you're called to move mountains and to bring heaven's culture here, you won't because you gave me, you gave the enemy the chain to the hook in your nose. Isn't it, you, you, you listen to the hook. The hook got you. It, any area of life that we listen to fear's song, it holds us back. It, it, fear is the number one tool of the enemy to sabotage your success. 
always will be. It was from the very beginning. Remember when at the very beginning when Satan came before Eve and, and he, he brought a snake into the garden and Eve was there and how I imagine it is the, sa- the snake kind of sang to her while she was there, right? She's hanging out, Eve, 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 Eve. What you doing, Eve? Oh, nothing. I'm just like, you know, we're taking care of the garden and it's, it's so hard, much hard work and God's asked us to do these huge things. Eve, 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 Eve. You can't do it, Eve. You're not strong enough, Eve. You're not able, Eve. Eve, but look at this fruit, right? <laughs> and Eve partook of the fruit because she was afraid that she wasn't good enough. She already had everything that she needed to succeed. She had everything she needed to have God do something great and amazing in her life. But she listened to the hook. The hook of fear happened in her life. I want to tell you about this track. Uh, For those of you who are younger in here, this is called Vinyl. Y'all remember vinyl? Anybody in here? Woo! Somebody got excited about that. Okay. I want to tell you that there are three verses to this track. And as I was talking about that, you have heard this track before. And you're thinking, I don't know about it. I wonder if as I talk about the verses in the tarot track that maybe you understand when you sang it once or twice in your life. Let's talk about verse one. Verse one. Is simply, what if? What if? What if I get sick? What if I lose my job? What if I have to stay at my job? That's scary sometimes for other people. (laughs) What if I have to go? What if I have to stay? What if? What if? What if? 1 John chapter 4, really quickly. 1 John chapter 4, what if I don't? have enough money? What if a loved one gets it? What if, can can you help me out again? I'm just, I'm going to keep grabbing you. (laughs) First John chapter four, verse 18, it says it this way. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear has Torment. That's an interesting word, torment. If you could put that on for me. Torment does not mean torture. It doesn't mean that you're going to get knocked out. In fact, the word torment comes from a Greek word is colossus, and it means a constant, incessant blow. That was really, that sounded hard. You don't need to be that. Like, okay, so this is what I want you to do. I want you to keep... Don't knock me so I'm going to fall over, all right? But keep hitting me. Every time you do, I just want you to say, what if? Go. Keep going. Keep going. Just keep going. What if? What if? Okay. Okay. What if? What if? What if? It's a constant, incessant blow. You tired yet? Okay. Keep going. To annoy, to bruise, to numb. Okay. Hold on. See, if he does this long enough, I'm not going to knock out. But what will happen is I'll start becoming numb in whatever area I allowed him to hit. 
And, and what happens is when we allow what if to keep playing in our mind about our family, we get grow numb to hearing from the Holy Spirit about what he has to say about our family because we allowed what if to play long enough. Do it again for me. What if, 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 what if I get the virus? What if, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if I lose the money? What if, what if, what if, what if, You tired yet? Okay, hold on. Its purpose is to distract you, to keep hitting you. Some of y'all lost sleep because of what ifs. You've been trying to sleep. You've been trying to keep your faith up, but you've let it play enough in the back of your mind that even when you hear scripture and what God has to say about you, about your family, about your finances, you're not really receiving it because you played what if plenty enough. And here's the problem is that a lot of times we actually invite fear into our life because we play this fun game that we call worst case scenario. And we think, oh, yeah, no, like, well, what if I lose my family? It what, well, what I can do is, what if I, I, I lose, you know, my money? Well, what I could. What if, what if, and what you're doing is you're inviting fear to have a part of your life. How would you treat a friend that lied to you as much as your fears do? Would you let them stay in your life? Then why do we coddle our fears? Oh, hallelujah. We think that somehow playing worst case scenario is going to give us confidence. It's not going to give you confidence. It's going to give you false confidence. It's, it's making a friend of fear. And when we allow what if to play enough, we go to the second track. Second track is then I. What if I lose my job, then I will be a loser? What if I get sick, then I can never go forward? What if, then I. Jump with me to Judges chapter six really quickly. Then I won't have respect. Then I will look foolish. Then I will seem dumb. Judges chapter six. Israel was supposed to be winning at this point in time. In Judges chapter six, they had already uh, gotten away from from. Uh, other nations holding them. This is the time when Israel was supposed to succeed and God calls this amazing man to step up into the place of authority. And in Judges chapter six, starting in verse 11, it says this, and there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak, which was an Ophrah that pertained unto Joash, the Abizarite, and his son Gideon threshed wheat by the wine press. By the way, you don't thresh wheat in a wine press. You press wine in a wine press, you thresh wheat in a threshing floor. Why is he threshing wheat in a wine press? Well, is it to hide it from the Midianites out of fear? He was in a place that he wasn't supposed to be. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said unto him, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. And I wonder if Gideon kind of turned around and was like, um, you're in the wrong wine press, because <laughs> that's not me. I, 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 you know, and, and he goes on and he says, you don't understand 
my background. Like, first off, Israel is the weakest nation in this entire area. And beyond that, my family is the weakest family in all of Israel. And when it comes to my family, I'm the weakest one in my family. I am in a nation of losers with a family of losers, and I'm the biggest loser of my family of losers. Like, angel, you're in the wrong place. Can you imagine for a second, like, literally turning to an angel and saying, I'm sorry, angel, you've got it wrong. Like, dude, it's an angel in front of you. Just say, yes, okay, that's fine. An angel had to show up to Gideon to try to get his view of himself correct. What is God going to have to do for you to finally believe you are who God says you are? Fear keeps us in a what-if cycle. Till you accept a fake ID. Ever seen a fake ID? I'm not going to ask. Don't, don't put your hands up. Um, here's one. No. Um, so there's some, some things that we can note about a fake ID. The, the first thing that you'll note about it is that it has a different name. No one puts the real name on their fake ID. <laughs> right? You have a false name. That's the first thing that the enemy is going to try to do. He's trying to accuse you and not say that you're a child of God, but he'll say that you're a liar, that you're a quitter, that you're a, a horrible person. He, the Bible says he is the accuser of the brethren, which means that he's going to throw his accusations towards you to try to see if you'll accept a fake ID. The other thing is that there's going to be one photo on there, and that's what the enemy tries to do. He tries to take one picture, one snapshot, one moment of your life and try to say that this is who you are. You know, he tried to do it for Moses and say, Moses, you're a murderer. He tried to do it for David and say, you're a cheater. He tried to do it for Israel and say that you're a deceiver. But God says that you are not the sum of the things that you have done. You are who I say you are. When he went to Gideon, he said that you are a mighty man of valor, even though he didn't feel like it. What if then I... And if you believe the fear, if you believe the what if, it'll change your view of yourself and eventually it will change your view of God, which brings me to the third one. Third. Verse three, because God. What if I lose my job, then I would be a loser because God doesn't love me. What, what if I get sick, then I will never go forward because God must be angry with me. And, and the issue is what often happens is that we define our theology by our experience and not by what God says. And you can't define yourself and you can't define God by a snapshot moment of time. We have to make the decision of saying, like, who does God really say that he is? Everybody say, what if? What if? Momentary failure can seem final to you, but it's not final to God. You, you don't see how God can turn a problem around for your good. Our incorrect view of ourselves, our incorrect view of God usually stems because we allowed the first verse to keep playing. What was it again? What if? What if? So that's, that's a very, you know, depressing sermon if I stopped right there. Um, so what do we do, pastor? 
Okay, so I understand. Could you say that maybe you heard yourself sing some of these bars at some point in time in your life? That maybe we allowed ourselves to sometimes think these things or hum along with Satan's tune. So what do we do? Do we just like stop listening to it? No, because you, you, you still go to a grocery store and they're playing that thing. You know, even if you weren't thinking about it, there goes the song again. I tried to get it out of my head. What if I told you that Satan is not creative? What if I told you he can't create his own track, he can only manipulate one? See, there was this thing that uh, artists used to do. I don't know if artists still do it, but they used to do back in the day when they weren't allowed to put something in a song, they would do this thing called backmasking. You ever heard backmasking? Anyone? It's basically where you would play the track backwards and you would hear something that they put underneath the song. Right? Backmasking. What if I told you the only thing that we really need to do to understand that this is not Satan's song, it's actually love's song in reverse, is just flip it around. Somebody say flip the track. Flip the track. Well, if we were going to do that, then we need to start with verse 3. Because God. Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 really quickly. 2 Corinthians, I mean, uh, not 2 Corinthians, sorry. Go with me Galatians chapter 5. Jumping ahead of myself. <laughs> First John 4, 8, by the way, says it this way. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is, anyone? Love. It's not that God has love or God does love. God is love. His entire being is love. First Corinthians 13 said that love never fails. That God, when God, and, and he wrote this song for you from the very beginning. In fact, I, don't, I wasn't going to go here, but I feel led to do it really quickly. Genesis chapter 1. Remember, in Gen, well, you, you, actually stay here. I'll just refer to it. In Genesis chapter 1, we see God creates the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness crept over the face of the deep. And what did God say? It said, let there be light, but sun and moon aren't created for a couple of days. So what was the light that God was creating? Well, in Revelation, we see that there will be neither sun nor moon because the light comes from the glory of God. I always like to call the glory of God the hymnness of God. It is the, the presence of who God is. It is the fullness of God. Well, we already read what the fullness of God is. God is love. And so the very first thing that God did in all physical creation, he said, I want everything to experience my love. Before he created anything, he created a, a culture and an opportunity for us to experience the love of God. Because God is love. Love makes everything work. Galatians, are you there? Chapter 5, verse 6. For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith that works by love. I have one more here. You see this flashlight. Ooh, it's a fancy flashlight. It has that front thing there. Um, it's interesting. You all, you all saw that it worked, right? Did everybody see that it worked? Now, what if I took the battery out of it and decided instead of putting a battery in it that I would 
use ketchup to try to power it. Okay. Say, this is weird. Okay, understand. (laughs) And what if I tried to turn it on at this point? And it's not working. I must conclude that this flashlight is broken. That the flashlight doesn't work. Is, is that accurate? That what's wrong with it? It's not being powered by the right thing. There are so many people who always say that faith thing, it doesn't work. I tried that faith thing. Man, I spoke faith declarations. I, I tried to do these amazing faith stuff and it never worked in my life. Well, faith will never work if it's powered by your confusion. Faith won't work powered by your churchiness. Faith, faith won't work when you're trying to power it by anything other than love. Faith only works by love. We read, Beloved, let us love one another for love is of God and everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. He that loveth not knows not God for God is love. That, that God has given us opportunities to change the world around us when we make the decision to fully receive his love and be conduits of his love to the world that is around us. You're called to move mountains. You're called to change everything. You're called to do amazing things. But sometimes because we haven't allowed love to do its job in our life and through us, we see that faith isn't doing its job. Oh, hallelujah. I'll amen myself on this. Faith empowered by God's love because that's who God is can never fail. Okay, let's go. So because God is love, then I... Go, go with me to, uh, really quickly, First John chapter 3. Then I, if the enemy can convince you, by the way, that you're unworthy of God's love, he'll convince you that you're never able to win. It's, it's an easy, okay, because God is love. Are you in First John chapter 3, verse 1? Behold, it's a good first word. It means check this out, it's so amazing. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Now, when I first read that scripture, I read that word manner, and I automatically thought it meant like, you know, how much, how big is a whole lot of love, right? You know, behold, how much love. No, the word manner actually in the Greek is interesting. Can you put it up there? The word manner comes, that's okay, I'll get it, (laughs) is patapos. And it literally means the country of origin. Behold, what country of origin the love that God has for us came from? What country did God's love come from? Some don't say, don't say USA, okay? Hallelujah. (laughs) What country did love come from? Love came from heaven. And, and why does he make that point? Because he says, be, it, it, it says that behold what, what country of origin God's love came from. Then you can understand that you are called a son of God. You see, when I, when I would say, read this right, because God is love, I am a being of love. And, and love never fails. And so that means that I have the ability for faith to work in any area of my life when I apply the power of love. 
If because God is love, then I am a being of love. Actually, if you read the end of chapter two in this, I, I don't have time to go into it. I got to end this. It says that you have the anointing. It says that you don't have to have anyone teach you because I'll teach you anything that you want. It says that you can have confidence in any area of your life. Why? Because you behold what country of origin love came from. And so you know what country of origin you have come from. You are a new creature. You are a being of heaven. And that means that I am called to bring heaven's culture and heaven's way anywhere that I put my feet down. <laughs> if I dwell on love and display God's love, love will never fail. And you say, well, hold on. That's, that's a little pastor. I have made mistakes before. And I've tried to be a person of love. And I've made those mistakes. Well, 1 Peter chapter 4, you, you can just write it down. I'll ask the question, when you made a mistake, were you doing it in love? Because what's interesting is 1 John 4 talks about the idea that love covers over a multitude of sins. It is the idea of even when we make mistakes, people will forgive us and give us second chances and third chances. And when they understand and they see that we are people of love. So let's go through it again. Because God is love, then I know that I am recreated in his image as a person of love. So what if? Would you go with me to 1 John 4? What if? I think that this is the same track that the Hebrew boys were playing when they went against Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar came before these three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And as they were there, Nebuchadnezzar had the idea and said, I need you to bow to culture. I need you to bow to what the government is saying. I need you to bow to what culture is telling you to do. And they said, Nebuchadnezzar, we can't do that. He said, if you don't do it, we're putting you in the fire. And what's interesting is they don't pause. They don't wait. Even, they even say in the King James, it says, we're not careful to wait to answer you on this, O king. He says, like, we'll answer you right now. He, he said, here's the answer. He said, if, if, we know that God can save us. And if he does save us, great. But even if he doesn't, I still won't bow. Even if he doesn't, I'm, I'm still not going to bow. And he said, fine, then we're going to put you in the fire. But let me tell you that sometimes it is easier to see God when he is with you in the midst of the fire than when you're trying to hide from culture that is around you. Oh, hallelujah. Y'all, y'all, thank you for that. So what if, are you in First John? Chapter 4, verse 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love, that's God's love, casts out fear. Have you lost sleep over stupid things? Because you listened to the terror track. Yeah. Hallelujah. You know, and, and sometimes when, when we talk about this and we talk about we need to get rid of fear, our automatic is like, I just need to speak more faith. I just need to say more faith things. I need to say more faith things than the fear things. And if I keep faith, 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 then it'll just fix it. But this does not say that the antithesis, what, what takes care of fear is more faith. 
In fact, there's a lot of people who have just as much faith in Satan as they do in God. And I can tell by how they talk when they say things like, you know, oh, you know, pastor, the devil is working overtime in my life. You know, oh man, he's been really coming against me. He's been really attacking me. And you know what that tells me is that you're impressed by how good the devil is at coming against you. Hallelujah. I'm just going to say that to me. (laughs) What are they doing? You're allowing yourself to get impressed by the enemy. Don't get impressed by the enemy. You laugh when the enemy comes against you. You know, you would do better to focus less on your faith and more on your love. Oh, okay. Hallelujah. Didn't the Bible say that even if you had faith as the grain of a mustard seed, it could do something amazing? But if you have faith and you're not showing love, you're not receiving God's love, and you're not a conduit of God's love, then even that mustard seed faith can't do anything because it's not powered. Faith only works by what? By love. Second Timothy chapter 1 verse 7 says it this way, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Power comes from love and gives us a sound mind. Can y'all help me out to, to finish up? Was that? Okay, thank you. <laughs> I need to finish this thing. I love, I was thinking about this as I was praying about bringing this word today. And I was reminded of the story of Lazarus. Remember, Mary and Martha sent a letter to Jesus or sent, sent correspondence to Jesus. And when they did, and they brought this over to Jesus, they didn't say, Jesus, I want you to know, Lazarus, you know, the guy who's full of faith, Lazarus, the guy who loves you so much, Lazarus, the guy who serves all of the time, Lazarus, that, that amazing guy. You know what they did? They sent him a letter and they said, Lazarus, the one who you love. When they needed a miracle from God, they reminded themselves of who God was. They started with, because God is love, then I am a being of love. So what if something happens to me? It's not going to change what I stand for and what I believe in. You know, uh, turn with me really quick, Romans 8. I'm going to finish here, Romans 8. Hallelujah. I, I know people have talked about before the idea when they say like, you, we're, we're called to be loved. And they say like, oh, I just love the whole world. And I say, you can't. It's impossible for you to love the whole world. There's only one person who could ever love the whole world. And that was God. Why? Because love isn't a feeling. What you mean is that you, you, you are compassionate. You're a compassionate person. Okay, I understand that. But you can't personally love the whole world. Only God could. Because God was the only person who did something for the entire world to express his love. Now you can love the world around you by how you connect with people, by how you serve people. When you start getting the what if going on in your mind, sometimes the best thing that you can do is not just let me write down a whole bunch of faith scriptures, but how can I serve someone right now? Because if if I serve someone and then I speak these declarations of faith, I know that my faith is empowered. And the Bible says that love never fails. Never fails. 
Romans chapter 8. I'm going to read this in the New Living Translation. Paul is in the middle of storms ton of storms, problems galore, and he's sitting, and could you imagine the questions that were coming to him? You know, am I going to get stuck in this prison? Is, is every, everything that I've always feared going to happen to me? Am I going to die in the midst of this? And, and then immediately there is, if you read chapter 8, gosh, I got to finish. If you read chapter 8, you'll see that he starts talking, talking, and then it just switches in verse 35. All of a sudden, there's this, there's this explosion of revelation that happens to Paul in the middle of trying to write all of this stuff. And, and, and I always talk about revelation as being this explosion of God consciousness and understanding. It explodes in your spirit and then floods into your mind. That's the idea of, of revelation. And in this moment, in the middle of storms, in the middle of problems, which I guarantee you, I know that you guys have heard a lot of messages about fear. I know that you've heard a, a, a lot of, of truth on how to stand on your faith, but I want you to know that often we find ourselves singing Satan's song, and when the what if comes, we need to remind ourselves that we're just playing the track backwards. When what if starts coming to your mind, say, no, 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 wait, 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 that's backwards. Because God, always begin with every time what if shows up, make sure that you remind yourself because God, because God is love, because his love never fails, because his love stands for me. Romans chapter 8 verse 35 says it this way, can anything ever separate me from Christ's love? Does it mean that he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or are hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all of these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, neither our fears today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. His love never fails. His love will never give up. Well, if you enjoyed today's podcast, there's a couple things I'd love for you to do. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. You can also invest in helping us empower others to follow Jesus by texting any dollar amount to 512-520-0185. Thanks again for joining us today on the Faith for Life podcast.